Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello, podcast listeners. How are you doing today? Classic Jacqueline, I'm here. I didn't necessarily want to do this episode, not because I don't like you guys. That's not the case. I just, you know, a normal person. I wanted to draw. My brain's like, wait, there's so many more things we could do right now. We don't have to do this. But I know once I start talking and getting into it, it will get easier and I'll actually come to enjoy it. And then I'll be like, how could I ever not want to have done the episode? What's wrong with me? That's just how my brain works though. But today for this episode, I actually posted a Q&A question on Instagram and I do these every once in a while, but people answered it with lots of really good questions. So today I'm going to be answering your questions from um, Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, it's not a requirement, but I do post things like that, like this on here. So the podcast is the main thing, but you know, um, sometimes I use the content that I make on Instagram to fuel the podcast and vice versa. So if you want to participate more in that in the future or see more regular content from me, I'm on there. It's bingebreakers underscore bulimia. But real quick, before we get started, um, I do have a few announcements. One not very important, but I just feel the need to share this with the world. A few weeks ago, I was like, I should get some Silly Putty for during my meetings. I always want to fidget with my hands. Um, and I used to use Silly Putty a lot when I was a little kid. Um, and it actually worked. I got some from the kids section. It was like $4.50 um, and from the grocery store or whatever. And I used it during a meeting uh, an hour ago and it helped so much with my concentration. I'm not really worrying about things, just like feeling the texture. I felt more calm, more chill, just a stimulation issue, right? And I've had someone a long time ago tell me like, you shouldn't need fidget tools or anything. It's just a bad habit to be in. But honestly, like the relief I felt during it, I have to sit a lot during my work and listen to people talk a lot, which I do truly love, but it's a lot to take on. And I think having things to do with my hands really helps. Uh, the next step is to get a walking treadmill really, but I'm not ready to invest in that just yet. So we're going to do silly putty instead and it worked well. Um, so that's like a little life hack for you. And, um, <laughs> and then, uh, also I'm just posting a lot of funny reels on Instagram re- recently and I'm loving it. I feel like my humor is back. I'm able to post a ton of memes. So if you like memes, go check that out too. And then three, I have a total of seven spots open for private coaching through the end of the year. So if you have listened to this podcast for a while, you're really liking the content that I share and it's helped you in your own recovery journey, but you feel like you just need that last little push and you're, you're, you kind of don't know what to do, but you know you need some sort of accountability and doing it on your own. It's just feeling a little bit overwhelming. You can book a consult with me on my website at bingebreakers.com and we'll talk for about 30 minutes and we'll discuss whatever's going on with you. I usually give people direction whether they work with me or not on their next few steps. And then after that, we'll d- determine what would be the best package for you. Usually I work with people from three three months to six months, depending on what they need. And then we'll decide if we're a good fit. So if you are wanting that, you want to change your life and you think that I would be a good guidance uh, mentor for you, <laughs> sorry, coach for you, then you can find that on my website 
website, but just to let you know those spots do go up. So, and it takes us a little bit to get things going. So if you want that uh, to start out your new year or to go through the holidays, having a coach supporting you, I can be that person for you. And there are seven spots available for that till the end of the year. So just to let you know, and then also I'm going to be hosting some workshops and free challenges this month and next month. I planned a lot of it out on Tuesday and then we're working on making the content for that. So keep it posted. Um, keep yourself kind of eyes on what's going on with me. And then lastly, oh my gosh, I said a few things and then it's just going. I'm so sorry. I will get to the content soon, I promise. Uh, but the, I'm doing a free group coaching call next Thursday at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. The info and sign up information will be on my website, bingebreakers.com. You can go check that out. It'll also be in the description of this podcast. But if you would like to talk with me, uh, or get help or support or see others going through that journey, you can find that on there and sign up for it and then just be there or be square at 2 p.m. Mountain Time on Thursday next week, November 9th. Okay, I think I've covered everything. All right, let's just jump into questions. I don't have an assistant or anything, so I and I was too lazy to go through the questions on which I think are the best and what order. So we're just gonna go for it. Classic me, just kind of going in. I was putting up a whiteboard recently, and they had these special hooks and stuff, and I was like, I could read the directions, but am I going to? No, I'm just going to figure it out. <laughs> so that's me. Um, anyway. So this first question I thought was a good one to start out, out with, kind of positive, hopeful. They said, what's the best thing about a life without bulimia? I'd say the best thing about a life without bulimia is that you, well, actually, there's two things. One, it's not as up and down. I just feel a lot more stable without binging and purging in my life. When it was binging and purging, I felt like my lows were really, really fucking low. And then my highs were really high, but not even like the highs were kind of blunted. It was just a bunch of lowness and numbness. And I didn't have all my mental faculties there. It's very hard for me to concentrate a lot of the times. And I was just always obsessed with food and all this other stuff. So there's just none of that. There's none of this looming presence of stress and awfulness in my life that bulimia was creating. It's kind of like leaving a toxic relationship. If you're with someone who's abusive and constantly stressing you out. You're always on edge. Even if you don't necessarily know it, there's just some sort of buzzing going on all the time. That's how I describe bulimia. And now that it's gone, it's like, whoa, thank goodness. It's just so much better. However, life still sucks sometimes. I just posted about that recently on Instagram too. But what I'd say is even when life is kind of shitty, like these past few months for me, past three months have been a crazy time in my life. Some of the most triggering times I've had since I recovered from my eating disorder. And the nice thing I noticed was that recovery and living without bulimia is still totally worth it because I could deal with it better. I was able to find, have different ways of coping. And because I wasn't numb, I was able to see things that I didn't want to tolerate rather than just blunting them and then tolerating them with bulimia. I got myself out of a really terrible situation in a lot of ways. And I don't think I would have been able to do that if I was still struggling with bulimia. So the skills I learned in recovery and then not having that blunting presence in my life really helped me. And then I think you just feel a lot more stable. And a lot of the tools I learned in recovery, like delayed gratification, learning how to intentionally think versus just being reactive to my thoughts, that not every single thought I thought was real or true and that I could choose what I wanted to think. I could alter my behaviors. It empowered me so much and helped me understand the power that I actually have, um, the control that I actually have over what I want to do, and then I can actually change and gave me a whole new outlook on life. So even during triggering times, I don't regret it one bit, and life without bulimia is so much better in so many ways. Even when it's not better, you are just better equipped for those challenges. Catherine Hansen was on my podcast a while ago, the author of Brain Over Binge, and she said something similar. She's like, it's not that 
you know, sometimes removing bulimia, you were able to see problems more clearly. This isn't a direct quote from her. I'd have to go back to the episode and listen to it, but you're able to handle things much better when you're recovered. And I feel like recovery gives you coping skills. If you're doing recovery right, you're not just white knuckling it. You are, in fact, learning how to process feelings differently, um, learning a new way of doing things. And those skills are directly transferable to whenever another problem comes up in your life. So that's probably, there's a million different things. So those are the best things about life without bulimia. Um, another question was how to repair damaged relationships because of lying about bulimia. This one, yeah, this one's a tough one. Uh, you can't control how a relationship and how it's going to be repaired and the rate at which it's going to be repaired, especially when you've been dishonest for a long time. You can't just make someone trust you. You can't just make someone believe you. The only thing I think you can do in this situation is really admit everything you can, like give, if you have been lying, confess to every single thing, being on the receiving end of lies myself and being sometimes the liar myself. So I've been in both positions, someone who's been lied to on a grand scale and then someone who's also lied to other people on a grander scale, not as grand, but still. Uh, in both situations, what would have been best is coming fully clean and saying everything, just having it out and open, like this is everything that transpired. You can even write it down if you want and then hand it to them and let them have that. And then be honest moving forward. And you could even then tell them, here are the reasons in which I'd lie. And here are the signs that I'm lying. Here's what I do so that you can't lie anymore. Just prevent it as much as possible and show them ways in which you're lying so that they can be aware of it. And then apologize and then try your best to move forward and be honest and um, be understanding of when people have issues, they don't trust you still, all those things. You can't force them to trust you, but you can be understanding why they don't trust you. And then you can just try in your heart to know that you're doing the right thing and you're being honest and then uh, keep trying for forgiveness. But sometimes if people, I don't know how damaged the relationship is, but if they don't trust you and it's just not going to work out, sometimes it's best just to let it be. The only thing that will heal that is time. And sometimes relationships at a distance are better, or a distance are better, and a distance are better. My goodness, I can't speak today. Um, the other question was, after how long did not binging and purging become easier for you? Oh, this is an interesting question. I'd say it's come and gone, but I think the first month to three months was the hardest for me when it came to wanting to binge and purge and having relapses and urges. And it became much easier once I felt like I had gotten footwork into eating consistently and regularly, um, was no, had distance from those behaviors. And also it got easier when I had other things to do rather than just recover. Like going out, seeing friends, meeting new people, have different different projects to focus on. But I'd say one month to three months was the hardest period. And then after that, it got better. However, it depends on the life phase. There's been certain life phases and certainly these past three months have been highly, highly triggering. And it was like wanting to binge and purge. Maybe not exactly how it used to be when I was fresh, but pretty strong urges. So I think it's not a linear thing. And when you're going through stressful periods, it may still be hard for you. Uh, but I think the advantage I've had during these times is that I haven't binged and purged in so long that it just, there was a big gap and I felt like the door was harder to open because it had been so long, but the temptation was still there. But I'd say probably three months to five months maybe. And then uh, certainly after a year, it felt like the urges were very, very minimal. But even after about three months, the urges were extremely minimal. 
Um, this person said, is binging and purging an addiction? That's a really interesting question. Um, I'd say there are addiction elements to it and looking at it as an addiction, a lot of the advice I give people is based on addiction principles, not just intuitive eating or recovery principles. Uh, I think looking at binging and purging as a behavioral addiction is very helpful because then you can see kind of abstinence from behaviors rather than food because everyone's always like, well, um, I can't give up food, right? I can't just be abstinent about f- with food. Therefore, it's more difficult than giving up alcohol or cigarettes. But I would argue that you can be abstinent from behaviors. And if you can be super specific about those behaviors and bring a lot of awareness to them and then recognize them earlier on when you're heading down that pathway and changing before it gets too late, um, that is where you can use that addiction element to it. I mean, we think a lot, a lot of things that aren't necessarily chemical, chemical substances are addictions. People recognize gaming addictions, porn addictions, and there are chemical things going on in your brain with those things when you interact with them, but they are not in itself a technical addiction that you're putting into your body and then uh, consuming and then it's altering your brain chemistry. But it is doing that just from um, a third party sort of situation. So I think binging and purging, it's not entirely an addiction, but I think it can become an addiction. And a lot of recovery books talk about how at first it started out as an emotional response, a trauma response, um, a a response to starvation, but then it eventually just becomes what you do. And I think looking at it as an addiction definitely helps me out and helps a lot of my clients out and other people recover. Uh, This person says, what are your top tips for breaking free of the binge purge restrictive cycle? Um, So many top tips. Uh, I think number one, I always say is taking care of your basic needs before you do anything else. You need to be sleeping and you need to be eating enough. And there's just no getting around that fact. And if you do get around it for a little bit, it's going to come back to bite you or you're going to be really toughing it out and you won't have much mental energy for anything else other than not binging and purging while you're pushing yourself to the limits. You have to take care of your basic needs. Otherwise, anything else you I say or anyone else says, it's just kind of damage control and you're, you're like, you're trying to tread, uh, get water out of a boat that has a massive hole in it with a bucket. You're just carrying around a bucket. You need an actual repair of the boat. You need to fix the boat and the leak in it. Uh, so the leak is the not taking care of your basic needs, making sure that you are getting sleep, making sure you're getting water, making sure you're getting enough food. Um, that looks different for everyone, but consistently eating and eating enough is number one. And then two, uh, bacon free from the binge purge restricted cycle. I think awareness, this is a vague, I have so many tips in my podcast. So go and listen to the rest of the podcast, but um, for specific things, but awareness is the second most important thing. And I know people always hear that, especially with gurus, it's like you just need to be aware of your problems, but it, no joke, really is um, highly beneficial. It and way ways that you could raise awareness is to write down and journal about the last cycle you had of binging, purging, and restrict, and write down specifically what happened, what you did, but also what thoughts were going through your brain in that moment. And if you can't remember, take a guess. And what's highly important for this is that the more awareness you bring to your cycle and the reasons, you know, when you're doing it, how you're doing it, how you feel when you're doing it, and most importantly, what you're thinking when you're doing it, then the next time this rolls around, you'll be able to catch it earlier. You'll be able to 
possibly observe yourself more rather than just reacting to it. And I think the binge purge restrict cycle, while there are many different reasons it's happening, um, it's not just a habit. If you look at it as that habitual addiction piece of it, and then you see this is just a trigger and then it's a response to a trigger and I'm reacting immediately without any thought, awareness gives you back that power to catch it earlier on and to observe it and be like, wait, we're doing that thing that we always do. This is what we always respond with. Maybe we can do something different that time. So awareness gives you gaps in time that makes things go slower when you know what's going on. So I say awareness is number two. And then the binge purge restrict cycle, I'd say pause. Pausing, having some sort of moment in time where you stop before you immediately react to whatever it is you want to do, putting the food in your mouth, purging, restricting, anything like that. Pause and observe during that time period for 30 seconds to two minutes and breathe gives you a chance, again, a gap in time to make a different decision. Or at least if you do continue to make the decision to binge, purge, restrict, whatever it is, you know why you're making that decision and you know you made it from your own volition, right? Your own choice in that matter. And that's not a shameful thing. It's not to blame you. It's just to show you that you're making this decision based on certain thoughts, behaviors, and actions, and then making that decision on purpose rather than just an involuntary reaction gives you opportunity to see if it's working for you or not. And I find when people do that, even if they pause and still binge or purge or whatever, eventually they don't really like that and they stop doing it earlier on. It doesn't, the cognitive dissonance builds. So I'd say those are my three top tips. I have a lot more details and like practical things in my um, podcast and then also in my group program. Uh, But I think you, when you say top tips, like they're really big picture things, um, but they are very important. So re-listen to that if you need to. Don't just dismiss what I said there. I'm saying them for a reason. It's because I see it with many different people. All right, I'm just going to make sure I have a meeting coming up in 20 minutes, so I can't, can't be late to that. Um, let's see. This person is saying, relapsed after three years, long relationship ended, one, one, times a month. Interesting. I don't know if they're like, they're binge purging one times a month. Um, not sure where to begin. I'm sorry for this person. I feel you like after just getting out of a long-term relationship too, it sucks. It's a hard place to be in. Um, where I would begin if I were you is just to take inventory of where you are, what you're doing, what you're not doing. Um, and in terms of recovery and life stuff in general, and then maybe even instead of like trying to start recovery all the way. Look at where you want to be. Where do you want to go? Um, Because this is an opportunity for you to really change up your life and your identity, ending a relationship, going through a relapse, all those things. It sounds like it's the worst thing ever, but it's, it's, you're kind of burned everything to the ground and you're able to start over. So it's a really great opportunity to look at, here's where I am. Here's what I'm doing on a daily basis and maybe a monthly basis. And then where do I want to be? If I'm out of this relationship, if I'm not interested in bulimia, who do I want to be a few months from now? And I think that would give you some direction on where to begin, just those big picture goals. Um, And then another thing, if you, I think I put an episode out about like, if I relapsed today, what would I do? And I would probably um, start immediately making sure that I'm eating enough and eating consistently. I would then put some sort of protocol in for when we're getting urges, because it's not a question of when the urges will come. It's if they're coming, or um, it's not a question of if they're going to come. It's a question of when. So like have some sort of protocol developed for when an urge comes. 
outcomes, whether it's to journal, whether it's to pause, whether it's any other coping tactic you've heard of, but put that into implementation. And then I'd reach out to some sort of friend accountability thing, or if it's bad enough, get help from a professional, like a treatment center or a counselor or therapist or coach. And I would just make sure that I'd have extra support like that. And then I'd start listening to recovery content um, and going back to old things that helped me. And I'd observe also why the relapse happened. Was it just because the long relationship ended or was it stress or maybe just observing a particular particular day where you binged and purged and why that particular binge and purge happened will help give you some insight as to what's going on. I like to think about relapses and um, relapses and, and lapses as signs that something's quite not working, but it doesn't mean everything's broken. It just means some, so there's some sort of hole in your system that we didn't really capture. And this is a good opportunity to figure it out. With the stress of relationship ending, that is one big hole, right? So maybe you just need time to heal. Maybe it's not even a big deal and you just had a really rough moment and you cope the best way you could and you don't need to make anything out of this. But if there is something more to it, that's where I would begin. Um, this person said... How do I stop thinking I'll just make up for tomorrow? Mm, that is a really good question. And it's a dangerous thing to think all the time. You that That is what you'll say forever is that you'll just keep making it up tomorrow. Something I tell myself, first of all, is recognizing that thought, but then being like, we're not going to do it tomorrow. Um, sometimes that is true. We'll make up for tomorrow. But I think that it's just... What I found time and time again is that it can't be tomorrow. It has to be today. It has to be right now. When you're thinking that, it means it has to be right now. I'm assuming when you say I'll just make it for tomorrow, it's your excuse to binge. It's your thing to um, excuse to eat whatever food you're wanting to eat in that moment. And it's kind of encouraging what the last podcast I did was about purging. And it's kind of saying, you know, well, since we're going to make up for this, this is okay. But you can't think like that. It's a dangerous way of thinking. So I, my simple answer is to stop thinking that and stop using that thought because it's not true and it never works. And you can even play out to help your brain. Write down a thought. I'll just make up for this tomorrow. Write down how that thought makes you feel. Write down then what actions you take based on that thought. And then ultimately write down how does that thought play out? What is the result of that thought tomorrow? Do I make up for it tomorrow? Does this actually play out? And the more you can see how much the thought does not help you, the better it'll be for you to let it go. But then ultimately, when you have that thought, you have to think, no, that's actually not true. We won't make up for it tomorrow. What do we need to do right now? What's better for us this today? Because that sort of thinking is just going to play with you the rest of your life unless you stop it now. Um, it's always got to be now. Um this person said weed has helped me so much in my recovery efforts. Um, is this common? You know, I don't want to speak too much about this because a lot of times I see weed and drugs do not help people. Um, and for me, weed, even to this day, like if I have, if I smoke, um, I don't really smoke, but if I do an edible or I drink, um, both those things, like I'm going to overeat massively when I have those things. I just haven't been able to figure it out. Um, unless I take a very light amount, I'm going to overindulge on food. And I'm sure if I were getting high when I was, um, struggling with bulimia, I would have been binging and purging a lot. Uh, so if it helps you, that's awesome. But I'd say know what you're like with that drug. Um, for me, I become my massive overeater on drugs for a lot of my clients that's the same thing too. Some people, that's not as much. So maybe it's helpful for you, but I'd say it's a very case-by-case -case basis. If you are getting high all the time or drinking all the time, I also would question it. Again, 
some people it does help them and I get that there's lots of different reasons I'm not drug shaming I totally partake every once in a while but I don't think if you're doing something on a daily basis it's likely the best thing in the world and I don't think it helps the majority of people um, but it could help you and if that is the case then that's awesome um, this person said it's been 34 days since I made myself purge first time in two years didn't think I could do it congratulations that's fucking awesome that's great I wonder how you did that you should review how you did that because um, that's a powerful thing to know um, this person said when I let myself eat whatever I want I end up eating the whole house I decay what to do I don't know what to do to stop um yeah, so there is a there was a point in my recovery where I removed binge foods from the house. I didn't have those regularly available, and I felt okay doing that. And I would have safe foods instead, um, and that helped me for a time build abundance um, without feeling like I was completely out of control. But when you do let yourself eat whatever you want, whatever you want has to be multifaceted. It can't just be whatever your urge is, like whatever your base primal brain wants, because your base primal brain wants everything, of course. You also have to use common sense. You have to use some sort of healthy moderation. And I think that's what I help my clients a lot with, because they first think, okay, to recover, I just have to eat whatever I want all the time, and I have to eat as much food as possible. Anytime I get any inkling to eat anything, I can never think. It just has to be intuitive and body signals. But I don't think that's completely the case. Like When I make food decisions, I do not think in that way. Um, I use some of my intuitive signals. like I try to listen to how my stomach feels, what sounds good, if I'm feeling hungry, fidgety, if I'm feeling a little bit lethargic because I ate too much. Those cues are important, but I also use my brain and I think about how many calories things have from a light degree. Not obsessed about it, but I know peanut butter is more calorie dense than celery. Those sorts of basic concepts, and I also use logic to understand. Okay, I probably want some protein here, and maybe eating the whole bag of chips would feel good momentarily, but also would feel terrible later. And so, when I say no to eating a whole thing of cake or a whole thing of chips. It comes from a place of love, not a place of you can't have that. It's we don't want that because it would make us feel like crap. This person, I think they're missing the we want it partially, but do we fully want it? And I'm using reasons of, you know, healthy boundaries and respect for my body and what it can uh what it can handle and what it can't to say no to myself from a place of love. So eating whatever you want, I don't necessarily think it's the best protocol for anyone to do. Eating whatever you want as a whole person and who you are is probably a better way to think about it using some of your nutritional knowledge as well. All right. And that's all she wrote. That's all the questions. Um, there's a few in here, but I think like these covered all the main concepts because some of it would be repetitive otherwise. But I hope you guys enjoyed this Q&A. It was a fun kind of thing to talk about and a little bit interesting for me to just go over those questions, um, especially when I didn't necessarily have a topic I want to talk about. I'm sure as I keep building content this month, I'll have a lot more to talk about. But sometimes you guys asking me questions is easier. I'm not gonna lie. All right, I'm gonna go though, get to this appointment with my clients, looking forward to hearing from them. And then I'm gonna draw a little bit more. And then I'm gonna edit the podcast. And then oh, also, I'm doing a half marathon this Saturday. And I didn't end up signing up for a race. The race I did sign up for was last Saturday, but because of the breakup and everything that went on, I just decided not to go because it was a plane ticket away and all these things. I was just like, screw it. I don't want to do it. I want to do something. So I'm just doing it on my own. Um, I'm having a friend help me out, but otherwise like it's just going to be me and I'm doing it for myself and it's going to feel really good. So I'll let you know how that went uh, next Friday. 
Otherwise, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope it took something from it and were able to help you along in your recovery. And I hope that you have an excellent weekend. Never give up on yourself, my friend. Bye.